Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you today? You glad to be in the Lord's house today? Amen. I'm excited about what God is about to do in this place today. I feel, um, as uh, Pastor Brett said, there is a spirit of worship and there is a spirit of expectation in this place today. And I am just excited about what God is going to do in your life, in my life, and through our lives together. At the end of the message, we're going to partake of Holy Communion, where we will complete our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And then after that, we're going to see God just do some wonderful things in a time of prayer where we believe he's going to show up and answer prayers today. So I hope you came expecting God to do something significant in your life today. Do you believe he's able? Amen. I believe he's able. If you've got your Bibles, please take them and turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about what is, it, what is the making of a miracle? What does a miracle look like? And from this um, recording and account in Scripture where Jesus encounters a man who is desperately in need of a miracle, I believe we see these things that God expects of us in order to position ourselves to receive the miraculous in our lives. So in starting in verse 46, it's a story about Jesus and his disciples as they are arriving in a town called Jericho. Verse 46 says, Then they, Jesus and his disciples, reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for your presence. I'm so grateful for your word. And in these next few moments, allow your word to speak to us, to settle deep within us, to activate our faith so that you may do the miraculous in us. Anoint the words as they go forth and on our ears to hear and our hearts to receive so that you may indeed accomplish your perfect will in our lives. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There's something about the miraculous. I mean, the miraculous doesn't really happen every day. The miraculous is something where God chooses to do something in a momentous, a spectacular, a supernatural way. And the question often asked is, who is the miraculous for? Well, let me just tell you, every single miracle in the Bible, every single miracle since the Bible was written and canonized and completed, every single miracle has one thing in common. It starts with a crisis, a problem, a pain, or a hurt that you can't do something about. A miracle means I have to come to the place where I realize that I am facing my limitations as a person, and I therefore have to depend on Jesus to do for me what I cannot do for myself. This man is a blind beggar, it says. His name is Bartimaeus. 
He is sitting on a roadside. He's sitting where he has been every single day of his life. Nothing about this is new to him except this day something different happens. This day Jesus walks by and it changes everything in his life. So what I want you to see for the next few moments um, is the making. How does the miracle start? The making of this miracle, how do you position yourself to activate the miraculous and allow God to do the miraculous in your life. The first thing is this, call out to Jesus. You say, that sounds very simple. It's supposed to be. We like to complicate things. We like to put things in a formula. We like to regulate things. There's no formula here. There's no regulation. There's no stipulations. There's no process The man simply realizes that Jesus is near him and he calls out to Jesus. Verses 46 to 48, where it says, they reached Jericho as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed them. And so a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. Notice, when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. So you've got to call out to Jesus. Now, what does that mean? There is this desperation call that he has for Jesus. It's the moment that he realizes, I can stay in the current position that I am and not bring this to God, or I can do something different and take my need to God and allow Jesus to do what only he can do. In other words, he comes to the place where he says, I refuse to live as if God can't do something about my problem. I'm afraid too many people have resigned themselves to believe that, the, that the, the length of time they've dealt with it or the severity of the circumstance that they've dealt with, that that limits themselves and the availability that they have to bring it to Jesus. They've resigned themselves to think, I'm never going to get past this. I'm never going to move beyond this. I'm never going to be able to have healing in my body. I'm never going to be able to get beyond this emotional distress that I have. And they have settled in their minds that they'll never be able to do anything different or have any relief in their life. This man refused to believe that God couldn't do something. He said, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know how Jesus is going to act, but what I do know is I can call out to him. I can desperately call out to him and say, I cannot do anything about this myself, but I can call on you. He also recognized the significance of the moment. Jesus has passed this way before. There are teachers and priests and Levites and preachers And all of these people have passed by here before. There are folks that have had miracles, and miracles weren't limited to Jesus. Jesus worked miracles in a particular way, and more miracles, so that people would understand that he was Lord and Messiah. But this wasn't the first time miracles happened. This man, though, had, had, had been a part of this and had recognized these things happen. But this time is different. God is with us every moment of every day. His power is available to us every moment of every day. And yet scripture is replete and full of examples 
of the consistency of God, and yet at the same time, there is this special moment that God moves in a, in a significant way. There's a special moment of his presence where God become, to passes by a little bit closer and that you need to be able to move in those moments. There are these special moments. This man's been sitting by the same place, but at this moment, he hears Jesus is near and he says, I'm not going to miss the moment when Jesus is close by. If you ask me why are we having a prayer for the miraculous and miracles and healing and all those things on today, it's because for 21 days, we haven't been asking God for anything. We have been humbling ourselves before God, telling him that we can't make it one day without him, honoring him with our prayers and our fasting, humbling ourselves to such an extent that God says when we humble ourselves, it's the humble that he will raise up in these moments. This is the moment where it culminates. This is the moment where we come together. This is a special moment, we believe, where God just passes by a little bit closer, and I want you to understand that and recognize the moment and not miss the opportunity when Jesus is passing by so close, because for 21 days, we have drawn near to him, and he says, when you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. When Jesus is close, don't miss the moment to let your need be known. You call out to Jesus. The second thing is that Jesus is inviting you to completely trust him. Completely trust him. Verse 49 says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. So when you need a miracle, how do you approach Jesus? The first is with joy. You know what they told him? Cheer up. Here's a man who's been blind and begging. He's calling out to Jesus, and they said, cheer up. He's calling you. Put some joy on your face. Jesus is asking you to come near right now. He's heard your desperate cry, and he's calling you right now. Joy happens when you realize who you are in Jesus. I want you to listen to me very, very carefully. Some of you have dealt with the circumstance you're dealing with for so long it's become a part of who you are. And you think you are that illness. You think that you are that anxiety. You think that you are that depression. You think you are the person that lives in poverty and you are resigned to live that way all your life. You think that you live in a home of brokenness and it's never going to change. But what you don't realize is that he has drawn us near to him. And because of what Jesus has done, we are not just people of the world. We are not what we, we, are not what we suffer. We're not who we used to be. We are now the sons and the daughters of the king of glory. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God who has called us to declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He, we are the ones that he said can boldly approach the throne of grace, knowing that he hears us and knowing that he can move in our lives. You are not that thing you think you are. You are not that trouble that you face. You are not that illness that you deal with. You are not that anxiety that you believe overwhelms you. You are a child of God and he draws you near and come near to him with joy. 
You approach him with joy and you approach him with faith. The Bible says that he throws off his cloak and he gets up and he comes to Jesus. Why would they include that detail? Why would the Bible say that he, why wouldn't he just, he got up and came to Jesus. Why did it say that he throws off his cloak? Because in Jewish society and the Roman Empire, you were not allowed to beg unless you had a verifiable illness. And the cloak which he wore identified that he had a legitimate handicap in his life that allowed him to beg on the street. But when Jesus called him, he said in his mind, I don't depend, I don't depend on the things I used to depend on. I don't depend upon the authority of the government to take care of me anymore. I don't depend on other people's pity right now. I don't know what's going to happen when I go over there, but here's what I can tell you this, is I believe something's going to change when I go over there. So I'm going to throw off the cloak of who I used to be. I'm going to throw off the cloak of what I used to depend on, and I'm going to bring everything to Jesus knowing that whatever he does in my life, I'm not going to go back to the way I was. I don't know what he's going to do. I know what I'm going to ask for, but here's what I do know. When I come to Jesus, I'm not going back to who I once was. I come to him with joy knowing who I am in Jesus Christ and I come in faith knowing the power that he has to change my life. And I come with a sincere, authentic prayer. Nothing contrived. I don't have to come to him with a lengthy prayer. I don't have to come to him with my prayer journal. I have nothing wrong with those things. I do them. I don't have to pray in King James. I don't have to impress him with my big words. What did he do? Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Rabbi. I just want to see. That's all I want. I want to see. The way you approach Jesus for your miracle is with joy understanding who you are in Christ, with faith understanding the power that he has, and with honesty and authenticity, using the right language with him, the truth I need to be whole because my body is broken. I need to be whole because I'm filled with anxiety. I need to be whole because I'm filled with depression. I need to be whole because I'm continually in this cycle of this financial ruin in my life. I need to be whole because my family is filled with brokenness. Name that thing that you need from Jesus and bring it to him and allow him to do what only he can do. I have to come and completely trust him. It's what he's inviting me to do. The third thing is, is you have to remember, your miracle brings glory to God. Your miracle brings glory to God. Here's what it says in verse 42, I mean 52. Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. The Gospel of Luke tells the same story in Luke chapter 18, verse 43. It says, instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And notice this, 
and all who saw it praised God too. Your miracle is not about you. God cares about you deeply. But as Pastor Brett said a little while ago, God has promised us he's going to bring us out or bring us through. And I don't get to define how he answers the prayer. But the miracle is not about you. You get the benefit from it. Don't get me wrong. I hope he answers every prayer in the miraculous in your life. And you're going to benefit. But it's not about you. It's about his goodness and his graciousness being shown and the power and the authority in your life so that the world can see and can praise his name. The miracle is about him. So that people may know that he is Lord over everything. And as was read in Ephesians chapter one, that everything is under his feet. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus does the miraculous, and so many people are healed and changed, and we never know their names, but not here. There are times and occasions where the Bible says, let me tell you who this is. This is Bartimaeus, and you know, it's, it's in parentheses, son of Timaeus. It's, it's almost like, oh, it's Bartimaeus. You know Bartimaeus, son. You know, Timaeus is his dad. What he's saying is this. In Jericho, there's a man named Bartimaeus. He's the son of Timaeus. You all know who he is. And let me tell you what God did for him that day. And if you want to go check it out, go see. Go find him, and you'll find out that it's true. Go see him, and you'll see that the eyes that were once blind are now open. Go acknowledge it through him, and you'll see that the God of all creation worked the miraculous in his life. Go and see. There's the person right there. When Mark is written, it is 30 years after Jesus is crucified, dead, resurrected, and raised up, and ascended into heaven. 30 years after that, the man is still alive, you can find him, and the gospel says, I'm not afraid. This is not a made-up story. Go and find this man, and he'll tell you that my power is true. Amen. It's for his glory so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so this morning when you pray, you come to God with joy and with faith and an authentic prayer but with a commitment to say, Lord, whatever you do in my life, I'm going to give you praise and honor and glory, and I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus to everyone I see. Are you willing? Are you willing this morning to give the hurt, the pain, the physical illness, the emotional distress, the relational problems in your family, are you willing to give those to Jesus today and allow him to do what only he can do? If you are, he's ready. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, we're going to partake of Holy Communion 
and we remember the body and the blood of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that as we do that, we remember what was provided for in the death, in the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. I pray for every person in this room as we partake of Holy Communion that we remember that your grace is sufficient. Your love is all-encompassing. And that your power is unsurpassed. So God, anoint this time together. And then as we pray, anoint us to receive what you want us to receive. In Christ's name, amen. You should have received elements when you came in. Would you go ahead and take those out? If you did not, if you didn't receive elements, please raise your hand really high and we will get you served very, very quickly. Just keep them up for just a moment, please. There is a clear seal at the top that will reveal the wafer that represents the body of Christ. Underneath that, there is a um, purple seal that will reveal the juice, which represents the blood of Christ. Isaiah 53 prophesied and reminds us that what Jesus did was not just for our salvation, but it was to completely make us whole. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, that the chastisement that we might be at peace with God was placed upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. We're made whole. Can you declare that with me? We, can you just say, by your stripes I'm made whole this morning? Can you say that? By your stripes, I'm made whole. Say it one more time. By your stripes I am made whole. If you'll take the elements right now. Paul writes and says, on the same night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And after he blessed it, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Would you remember the body of Christ? And in the same manner, he took the cup and said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant. Take and drink as often as you do in remembrance of me. Would you remember the blood of Christ? Heavenly Father, we've been reminded through 21 days of prayer and fasting that we are insufficient, but you are all sufficient. We've humbled ourselves before you because we recognize that you're King and Lord of all we need you desperately. In our worship time and in the word this morning, we've been reminded that you are more than enough, that you are above all things, that in all things and through all things, only you sustain, keep, and overcome. And so in these next few moments, as we bring our needs to you, I pray for your holy anointing upon this place. I ask for you to anoint those on our prayer team who are going to pray for people. 
Help them pray prayers of faith. And if you, if you choose to individually, help them through the gifts of the Spirit to speak life and hope into individuals. I pray that you give a boldness and courage to your people who are experiencing pain, physical, relational, emotional. I pray that you give them the courage to come to this place with joy, with faith, with an authentic prayer and bring their needs to you and completely depend on you. Help us to throw off every cloak of dependency that we have and give everything to you today so that you may do the miraculous in our lives. God, I, I pray that you rebuke the voice of the enemy that speaks into our minds right now with seeds of doubt and replace that with the word of the living God that is filled with faith, hope, and love. And as you do that, Lord, as you work the miraculous, as you touch your people, we promise we're gonna give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. I want you to stand with me, please. I want you to have a spirit of expectancy in your heart. We're gonna to worship together in song. Our prayer team is coming. And listen, if you have a need, I'm encouraging you, bring that need this morning. We will take all the time that we need to and pray for every person that comes forward this morning. I believe God is in the place that he is passing by, that he is near, and this is a moment where God wants to touch you at your point of need right here, right now. So as we sing, let's worship together, let's believe together. These altars are open.
I believe he's able to, and we're going to take a moment of prayer for uh, two folks that I just, the Lord laid on my heart this morning. Um, one of those is one of our staff members, Pastor Mark Racy, who this past week um, experienced a heart attack, and um, he is home, he is recovering, but we're going to pray for him this morning, and then we also want to pray for Heidi Reitzel, who experienced a stroke and a brain bleed this week. It is remarkable, almost miraculous, that she is still alive and continuing to recover right now. But we, leave, we believe and hope and pray that God's not finished with that miracle right now. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Brett is going to come and anoint these prayer cloths with oil. I'm going to invite just some of the elders and folks around them just to come and stand with them right now. We're gonna pray over these, we're gonna send them to them, and we're gonna believe that God's gonna work the miraculous, amen? amen? Would you extend your hands right now towards this area right now? Father, in the name of Jesus right now, Father, we ask for the healing touch of Jesus Christ to be upon their lives. Father, we pray that in Jesus' name, that this miracle, these miracles would bring glory and honor to the name of Christ. We ask you to raise them up, oh Lord. Touch Pastor Mark where he is right now. I pray, God, that you would just minister to him and send healing into his heart, oh God. I pray that it, was, it would amaze the doctors at the recovery that is made right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would give him peace in his heart right now, peace in Michelle and the girls' hearts right now, oh God, that you are in complete control. I ask for your Holy Spirit to guard them and protect them right now, their minds and their hearts in Christ Jesus. Lord, we lift up Heidi Reitzel to you right now. God, we give you praise for what you've already done. It has been nothing short of the miraculous how you've seen them through. But Lord, we lift her up to you right now in the name of Jesus, asking you to completely restore her, completely heal her. God, I pray for peace in her heart and in Matt's heart and in the girl's heart. God, I pray in Bonnie's heart. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just build a wall of peace around them, oh God. And not just peace, I pray that there is a boldness to believe 
the, that rises up in them that believes that you are enough, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done, and I'm believing for even more. And so, Lord, we ask that you work your healing, miraculous touch in their lives. Raise them up, Lord, so that they may speak and praise the name of Jesus in their lives. And for that, by faith, we go ahead and give you praise in advance for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, the Lord is good, isn't he? Amen. And I believe he's just getting started. I believe that today in this revival is a turning point for our church and I believe for your life too. And I want you to be here tonight, 6 p.m. Dr. Mark Rutland is going to be with us and uh, he's gonna be speaking on what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit and how that can change your life. So I want you to be here tonight, 6 p.m. We believe God's gonna show up and show up in a miraculous and supernatural way tonight as well. You believe that? Amen. All right. So that's only in like five and a half hours, so I'm gonna let you go, okay? <laughs> but you're not leaving here without getting blessed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and a meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, love you folks, see you tonight.